everyone, and welcome back to the Watchdogs Bark. My name is Drew. I am your host, and I consider myself a watchdog. Of course. <laughs> this is episode 67. Another slice of heaven. <laughs> Listen to 60. I don't know. I Maybe I'll stop doing that. Anyway, this podcast is going to be all about what is the radical left's plan for America. And where did all this nonsense and insanity start? You remember I told you about Saul Alinsky's book, Rules for Radicals, and the eight steps to basically usher in socialism in this country. And if you want me to remind you, I'll give you a quick uh, recap. Number one is health care. Control health care and you control the people. Number two is poverty. Increase the poverty level as high as possible. Poor people are easier to control and will not fight back if you're providing everything for them to live. Number three, debt. Increase the debt to unsustainable levels. That way you're able to increase taxes and this will produce more poverty. Gun control. Remove the ability to defend themselves from the government. That way, you're able to create a police state. Number five, take control of every aspect of their lives, food, housing, and income. Number six, education. Take control of what people read and listen to. Take control of what children learn in school. Number seven, religion. Remove the belief in God from the government and schools. And number eight, class warfare. Divide the people into the wealthy and the poor. This will cause more discontent and it will be easier to take or tax the wealthy with the support of the poor. I ask again, do those sound kind of familiar? Because <laughs> that's exactly what's going on right now. Now, Saul Alinsky, I think, was about this, lived about the same time as two philosophers and political activists by the name of Richard Cloward and Francis Fox Piven. And many people will refer to the Cloward-Piven plan for our country or the Cloward-Piven strategy. And they basically take these steps that Sololinsky, and you can read Cloward-Piven's strategy is exactly the same. I can almost read it verbatim. Little different wording, but pretty much verbatim of what Sololinsky wanted to do. He Sololinsky wanted to usher in socialism. Cloward Piven wanted to end poverty. The way they wanted to end poverty is they want to overload the welfare system to such an extent where the government would step in and create a guaranteed annual income, and thus end poverty. Wow, does that sound fantastic? To some, I'm sure they're saying, yeah, sure, give me a guaranteed income. I don't have to work. The government will just pay me to live. All right, cool. But here's the rub in that whole plan. In order to do that, they have to radically redistribute income. They would have to tax the rich and wealthy nearly 95% or more of their income, or 99% in some cases, and redistribute that income 
to the middle class and poor in hopes that they will be so grateful they'll constantly vote the people that gave them this universal free income back into office over and over and over again. Gosh, that sounds kind of like what the Democrats are trying to do, doesn't it? I mean, they're the ones that are talking about, you know, it's not fair because we have such a huge chasm between the rich and the poor in this country, and it's not fair. We need to tax the rich way, way more so we can redistribute the wealth to the poor. But what they're not getting in this whole scenario, the rich, with very few exceptions, and I know many people will think, no, it's almost all the rich. No. Most of the rich people that have most of the wealth in our country right now are self-made. They're the ones that worked their butts off, worked 80 to 100 hours a week. No, not just 40, all the millennial and Gen Zs. No, they worked double that. They worked from morning till night, every single day. They sacrificed so many things in their life, social lives. They sacrificed sometimes their health. They, they worked so hard. They sacrificed their family relationships. Many divorces happened with the, some of the people that are super uber wealthy because the family wasn't part of their priority. And I, I disagree with a lot of that, that the family always needs to be first. But when you want to go and punish success in order to end poverty in another crazy idea that doesn't take into account that the money doesn't just grow on trees. It's not just going to present itself. The, the government can't just print more money uh, for this thing. They would have to tax the rich and, in a sense, punish the wealthy, punish those that have worked really, really hard to get their money and their status and their possessions and all that, the government doesn't believe they deserve it. And that is the Democratic government, I'm telling you. The people that are in the Republican Party genuinely just want to be left alone. And we want the government out of our lives. And we want to keep most of what we earn because we work our butts off to earn it. But the Democrats have that different look at what income is. They see all of the income that you make is really the government allowing you to make that income. So you should allow the government to take what they need out of your income to help other people. Republicans believe you earn what you earn and should be able to keep most of what you earn. But Republicans do believe that you need to pay a certain percentage for national security and for some social programs to help the elderly and the infirmed. That's definitely a part of the plan. But Democrats believe that all of your income is the government's, and they will allow you to keep what they think you need to live on. See, so Cloward and Piven went even a step beyond Sololinsky. They took all of his steps of rules for radicals, and they came to the conclusion that said this would produce bureaucratic disruption in welfare agencies and fiscal disruption in local and state governments. That would, 
deepen existing divisions among elements in the big city Democratic coalition. The remaining white middle class, the working class ethnic groups, and growing minority poor. To avoid a further weakening of that historic coalition, a national Democratic administration would be constrained to advance a federal solution to poverty that would override local welfare failures, local class and racial conflicts, and local revenue dilemmas. The ultimate objective of this strategy to wipe out poverty by establishing a guaranteed annual income will be questioned by some because the idea of individual social and economic mobility has deep roots. Even activists seem reluctant to call for national programs to eliminate poverty by the outright redistribution of income. You see, that is the ultimate goal, redistribution of income. Here's my question. Who gets to decide how much of the wealthy's income is taken and where it is distributed and how much each person is going to get? Who gets that much power? That, my friends, is what the Democratic Party wants. They want the power to redistribute all income all around the country in the way that they see fit. That is called socialism. The one thing we know about socialism is it does create equality or equity. Those are interchangeable according to the left, but they're not. It does create equity, but the equity is everyone is equally poor. Those that are taking the money from the wealthy and promising to redistribute it to the poor never, ever do fairly. It's been proven over and over and over again worldwide all throughout history. And it goes back to that one saying, power corrupts. And absolute power corrupts absolutely. If we were to get the government under democratic control, okay, let's say the Democrats get their their uh, wish. This next election, they get their wish and they get control of the House and the Senate and the White House, and they eliminate the filibuster, they eliminate the Electoral College, they make D.C. a new state, they pack the Supreme Court. That gives them ultimate power. We know from history, power corrupts. Ultimately, if you give them that much power, our government will become inescapably and irreparably corrupt. Now, I know, I know 100% that many Democrats believe that they're doing the right thing by trying to end poverty by redistributing wealth. And I don't know if you heard the expression, I'm sure you have, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Many things that have destroyed countries and killed millions of people were done with good intentions. I've been doing a little studying on what is called the Mandela effect. 
Okay. The reason the the name of this effect came from a collective memory that was remembered by a very large group of people incorrectly. And the reason why it's called the Mandela effect is Nelson Mandela. Many people actually believed he died in prison in the 1980s. They, they, they could swear to you on their uh, hand on a Bible or, you know, <laughs> however you swear, pinky swear, that they remember seeing news reports and all kinds of pictures and videos of him and the funeral of his when he died in prison in the 80s. But the truth is, Nelson Mandela lived to 2013. Now, some interesting, fun examples of the Mandela effect. For a while, many people did not believe that the Monopoly guy wore a monocle. They would tell you till they're blue in the face. There's no way. Though the Monopoly guy just wore that top hat. He didn't wear a monocle. Well, yes, he did. If you go and look it up yourself, the Monopoly guy has a monocle on. Another thing is how many of you believe that the words Snow White uttered when looking at that mirror were mirror, mirror on the wall? Who's the fairest of them all? I'll give you a second to think. Yep. Okay. That is not a true memory. The actual words that were spoken by Snow White is magic mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? So why do so many people believe that that, those were the real words? I believe it goes back to like when we were in kindergarten. Do you remember like the circle that we all sat in and a secret was whispered to one individual? And then they were to whisper that secret to the person next to them. And they whisper that secret to the person next to him. And they would whisper that secret to the person next to him. Without knowing it, some people are adding or removing certain information from the truth. And it happens all over the place. I believe our media and social media are contributing to people's false memories of things that have happened in our country. A funny example that I remember very vividly is many people believe that Sarah Palin, when she was running, uh, you know, as the vice president alongside John McCain, and many people believe that this is what Sarah Palin said. I can see Russia from my front porch. Do you remember that? How many of you believe Sarah Palin actually said that? That she can see Russia from her front porch. That's not what Sarah Palin said. That was Tina Fey on Saturday Night Live mocking Sarah Palin's comment about how they can see Russia from their northern border or the northern tip of Alaska, which is true. Russia is only nine miles away from the tip of Alaska. Did you guys know that? That's true. But many people still believe Sarah Palin said, I can see Russia from my front porch. The reason why is the media broadcast that Tina Fey skit non 
stop. And they convinced enough people that it was Sarah Palin that said that. Now, let's look at today, okay, right, uh, right now. How many of you believe with all of your heart that Donald Trump is a Russian agent and directly colluded with Russia to win the 2016 election? All right, think about it. Do you know that that's 100% false? There was the only thing that was proven in the two-year investigation was that there was Russian interference in our election. There's been Russian interference in our elections for decades. But there has never been direct collusion with anyone in the Trump organization and Russia. But people believe, and they will tell you until they're blue in the face, absolutely, Donald Trump directly colluded with Russia. And there is 100% undeniable truth and proof of that. And that's not true at all. But the reason why you believe it, if you do believe that, is they pounded it into your head the entire time Donald Trump was president. Why would they do that? Because, my friends, our media and social media are owned by very, very wealthy, very, very evil, corrupt individuals. They want to control the narrative that you believe on everything. Here's a great example. Right now, Type in Donald Trump in Google and tell me what the first five things you see under his name. I did it on DuckDuckGo because uh, I told you before, and I'll say it again, remove, delete Google off of every device you own because Google tracks everything you do. You've seen the commercials, so I would definitely get rid of Google and download DuckDuckGo. That's what I use, and it seems to work very, very well, and I don't get a lot of advertisements. So the first five things I found on DuckDuckGo, and I had to go, pa I had to, go to the second page. The first page is all about the, the current events uh, of Duck. But if you talk about what the Internet is saying about Donald Trump, here are the first five. Trump is the worst president in history, the Atlantic. Chronicling Trump's 10 Worst Abuses of Power, CNN. Why Trump Won't Win, The Atlantic. One-Way History Shows Trump's Personality Cult Will End, Politico. Donald Trump is done. Indictment leaves the room. Newsweek. 15 Most Notable Lies of Donald Trump's Presidency. Donald Trump is a Fool, MSN. Mental health expert says Donald Trump is like a serial killer. Donald Trump keeps proving how dumb and stupid he is. MSN. And then here's the one at the bottom of the page. Opinion. Yes, Donald Trump is the Antichrist. That's from CommonDreams.org. You know, it's no wonder. You hate Donald Trump. You're being told to hate Donald Trump. The reason why you're being told to hate him is because the people that want that ultimate 
power and control see Donald Trump as the biggest threat to that. Those that are trying to follow the Cloward-Piven plan or the Sololinsky rules for radicals plan see Donald Trump as a threat because Donald Trump is trying to bring American independence back. And that will undo the globalists' plan for a world governance. I've said it before, the only way that happens is all countries become interdependent and subservient to a small group of people who claim that they know what's best, you know, for climate change and for wealth redistribution and fairness and ending poverty. And all these things sound on the surface like good things, but what they really are about is power and control over you. And what I would suggest everyone do And I've done this many, many times, and it still baffles me every single day, is go back and forth between news stations and find out what they're reporting on. Like I said, I watched one morning, which it was the most stark of differences in all the times I've ever watched. I usually watch in the morning when I'm making my green drink to get ready to go for work. I watch News Mix, which puts all... like six different TV channels on one screen and you just move the frame around for the audio and it's CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, BBC, and then two weather stations. And I remember watching one day in particular, I can't, it was a couple weeks ago, but MSNBC was nonstop Trump hatred, nonstop the entire day. All right. And Fox News was covering a lot of the border crisis and uh, this ruling in Texas of this woman that they're not allowing to get an abortion, even though her baby has been diagnosed with a deadly disease. And then uh, there was a couple of other things they went back and forth on. And then they did cover uh, one interview with Donald Trump and one interview with Vivek Ramaswamy and uh, one interview with Nikki Haley. And then they went back to the border crisis. Then if you CNN, they kind of did the same thing, but they stuck mostly with, uh, you know, anti-Trump stuff. MSNBC the entire day did nothing but hate Trump reports. So it is no wonder you hate Donald Trump, because if you're only watching MSNBC, they're telling you to hate Trump. Have you ever asked why? You need to. You need to start asking these questions. You need to start questioning everything because the powers that be are controlling our media and social media and what you see and what you don't see. All right. One thing I want to talk about really quickly, and it's going to be a short podcast today, so I'm going to talk about one other thing, and that is it really seriously looks like there's a possibility we could have what's called a contingent election in 2024. What is a contingent election? Well, that's an election where neither candidate can get to 270 electoral votes. The the third party has has garnered so many votes that it is impossible 
for the Republican or the Democratic candidate to gain 270 votes and win the election. Robert Kennedy Jr. is purposefully has purposefully left the Democratic Party and become an independent in hopes that he can take enough votes from the two other candidates to bring about a contingent election. A contingent election means that the government, Congress, will get to decide who is the president. And I want to read you this post from Laura Loomer. All right. She posts all the time on Twitter. And this is entitled, How Congress May Select Our Next President in 2024. Did you know that a winner of the 2024 presidential election may not come to fruition due to a contingent election, which would then let Congress select the next president and vice president? This is what John or Robert Kennedy Jr. is trying to accomplish by running as an independent. He's trying to create a contingent election in which neither candidate gets 270 votes. RFK Jr.'s plan is to create a contingent election as was admitted by his own PAC, or Political Action Committee. An article outlining the PAC's $15 million plan said, quote, A statement outlining the new plan also said, If it's confident that Kennedy could win a contingent election, a possible scenario where no president, presidential candidate gets 270 electoral college votes. This is why RFK switched from running from a, as a Democrat to an independent. Recently, it was announced that American Values, a super PAC, which created, was created to support RFK's presidential campaign, is planning to spend $15 million to get him on the ballot in 10 key states that collectively carry 210 electoral votes that are needed to win the 2024 election, including Arizona, California, Colorado, Georgia, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, Nevada, New York, and Texas. If RFK is able to pick up enough electoral votes to the point where neither Trump or Biden can get to 270, then under the U.S. Constitution, we would have what is called a contingent election, which is what happens if no candidates get a majority of the Electoral College. To win the Electoral College, a candidate must obtain 270 electoral votes. If there are more than two candidates and no one hits 270, that triggers a contingent election, a fallback process created by the 12th Amendment, where the House of Representatives selects a president and Senate selects a vice president. How would this happen? House members vote as state delegations. Each state delegation gets a single vote, and a candidate becomes president with support of a majority 26 of state delegations. If no candidate wins 26 state delegations by January 20th, then the vice president-elect becomes acting president. And if the Senate fails to select a vice president, then under the 20th Amendment and the Presidential Succession Act of 1947, the next eligible person in the presidential line of succession, potentially the Speaker of the House, becomes acting president. This, my friends, as she goes on to say, could be disastrous, given the fact that the Republicans only hold a one-seat majority in Congress right now. 
With the early retirement of Speaker McCarthy, several of the other GOP members of Congress, and the ousting of George Santos, it may only take one more House GOP rep to retire early, and then Dems, the Democratic Party, will have the control of the House again, even before the 2024 election. Think about that. Even before the 2024 election, if one more House Republican member decides he wants to retire, he or she wants to retire early, that would take the House out of the hands of the Republicans and put it back into the control of the Democrats. So she goes on. She says, I predict Dems take control of the House by March. And when they do, we will be one step closer to having a contingent election. This is all part of their plan to make sure Trump and Biden aren't the next president. Congress would then be able to install their own president and vice president if this happens. Now, do you see why this is so dangerous? And this could really honestly happen in this next election. And Robert Kennedy Jr. is banking on it. That's why he left the Democratic Party and declared himself independent and is now running as an independent candidate for the presidency. He believes that he can get enough electoral votes from the major states in our union that would cause this to go to a contingent election. And he believes that he would be the alternative to either Trump or Biden. What do you think? Write me and let me know. Drew at thewatchdogsbark.com. Now, here's something really interesting to think about. What if Donald Trump contacted Robert Kennedy Jr. and offered him the vice president position and promise that after he's finished serving his four years as president, he will fully endorse Robert Kennedy Jr. as the next president? Think about that. This, this is getting absolutely insane. This next election is going to be historic for sure. But I think it's going to be so important to our country. Because I believe with all of my heart, if Democrats are able to win this next election and somehow gain control of the House and Senate, we're done. They will do everything they can to maintain absolute control for as long as possible. Again, how do I know this? They are the only party trying to change our government to give them more control. They want to pack the Supreme Court, add enough justices on the Supreme Court to give them the moral, the liberal majority again. Add D.C. as a state, add two more senators uh, okay, and they're going, definitely going to be Democratic senators because D.C. is 98 percent. And incidentally, our founding fathers never, ever intended D.C. to become a state. They need it to remain a commonwealth that is not subject to one party or the other. That's what our founding fathers created D.C. And that's why they said it can never be a state. But the Democrats want to make it a state because they want two more Democratic senators in the Senate. Then they want to end the filibuster. Okay. And that means that a simple majority would win 
certain things. It would no longer take 60 votes to pass certain laws. And then the final thing is they want to end the Electoral College. And that would put the entire election into the hand of about three states, three or four states. And that just is not fair to all of the underrepresented states like Wyoming or Vermont or Montana or, you know, the, the ones that are, have more land than people. <laughs> so that's what the Democratic strategy is. They're trying to change things so that they have total power. And one of the things they may be pulling out of their hat to prevent Trump at all costs from, main, from gaining the White House again is a contingent election. So I, I like Robert Kennedy Jr. I like him as a person, uh, but I'm not real happy with this little twist that he's trying to bring about. And like I said, I think the smartest thing Trump could do is try to get him as his VP. Not only because he's a staunch Democrat, but he's an old school Democrat, one that is willing to negotiate and find middle ground with Republicans. This new Democratic Party wants nothing to do with Republicans. It wants no way to negotiate with Republicans. It is their way or the highway with this new party. One of the biggest things this new party is trying to do is remove God from religion or from government and schools. I heard a video, disturbing video the other day. I'm going to play it for you because you need to understand this is out there. This is some of the things they're teaching our youth and people that don't know any better. Listen to the minister, I guess you could call her, or whatever, the, the spiritual leader. I don't know if this is the Church of Satan or if this is a non-denominational free will, blah, blah, blah church. I don't know what exactly this is, but listen to what they're actually brainwashing their congregation into repeating. I believe in the non-binary God whose pronouns are plural. I believe in Jesus Christ, their child, who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads and saw everyone as a sibling child of God. I believe in the calling to each of us that love is love is love. So beloved, let us love. Can you even believe that? I mean, <laughs> I believe in the part where I laughed, and you heard me probably in the background laughing, I believe that Jesus Christ that wore a fabulous tunic. That's it. That's all they care about. He dressed uh, in a nice tunic. Not anything he did. No, he, he wore a fabulous tunic. Oh, and then, of course, I believe that love is love is love is love. Yes, that is true. Love is love. But when you use it in the way that this LGBTQIA plus movement, remember I said I support my gay and lesbian friends. I absolutely 100%. I do not support the LGBTQIA plus company, incorporated, LLC, whatever it is. It is a business. Don't get, don't let me mince my words. It is a business. LGBTQIA plus 
wants everyone, when they say love is love is love, they mean every kind of love. That means pedophilia. That means any kind of love, loving your animal. That's what this is all going to end up going to. If we allow it to continue, the progress that it's made over the last 10 years, this movement, it will go to a point where it will be absolute insanity. It will be, uh, what is it, Caligula, who uh, ended up making one of his horse a senator. You know, that's the insanity that is going on here. I, I listen to this and I just, I can't believe how sacrilegious it is. So, and that's what they, they're trying to remove God from your life. And the reason why is religion and a belief in God and a belief, even if not God, but in whatever higher power. If you believe in a higher power, you're more accountable to them. You're less persuadable to the people that want to control you. Remember that. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, I am very encouraged by what I'm hearing on both sides of the aisle. Um, I found a great video of a gentleman that's talking about how those people that identify as LGBTQIA plus are pro-Palestine. You see those signs that say, you know, queers for Palestine. And listen to what he says, because he says what real really happen if palestine finds out about these people's lifestyle this is what they'll do to them listen to what he says it's a little ironic that the people who seem to be defending hamas online are also the ones they'd be most likely to kill oh no no i'm sure the islamic terrorists would love you queer intellectual feminist we're freedom fighters they're fighting for their land and i'm fighting for my right to purple hair what the it's like a girl in a really toxic relationship. I know you don't like him because he kidnaps and murders people, but trust me, when I'm alone with him, he is such a sweetheart. I'm sorry, if your reaction to people being slaughtered, beheaded, raped, and burned alive isn't complete and utter disgust and horror, if your reaction is, yeah, but I mean, why? See it from their perspective. You need to get your f***ing head checked, okay? I'm sure Jeffrey Dahmer had a rough childhood. That doesn't mean I empathize with him. If you want to free Palestine, free Palestine from Hamas. Exactly what he said. All those people that are standing behind signs that say queers for Palestine, do you understand Palestine would kill you? Period. There is no tolerance in Palestine for the gay and lesbian lifestyle. There is no tolerance at all. And yet you're standing behind them, like he said, a jilted ex-girlfriend, that you're backing people that commit murder, that use violent rape as a war tool, that burned people alive, that put children in ovens, that's who you are supporting. And as he said in the very end, the real people that you should be against if you're Palestinian is Hamas. And those who would use that kind of horrific 
heinous crimes against humanity to try and win people to their side. And the problem is we have so many people in this country that are brainwashed. Let me give you another example. How many people now are screaming and yelling that Claudine Gay resigning from Harvard was because of racism? All over the place. And of course, our favorite race baiter, um, Al Sharpton, is leading the protest of the people that forced Marsh or uh, Claudine Gay out of the presidency. Well, for those of you who don't know, first of all, Claudine Gay was not fired. She was just transferred. She's still allowed to teach in the Harvard Law School, and she still is allowed to collect her $900,000 a year salary. They are not cutting that at all. So how is Claudine Gay really being punished? Not at all. Same thing with uh, what's her name from the University of Pennsylvania. She did the same thing. Allowed to keep her salary and she's allowed to teach in the law school. The left is doing these things on purpose. They're doing it to appease those who are screaming and yelling that, you know, these women were not willing to stand up definitively and saying calling for the genocide of Jews is wrong. But let me explain something a little bit more about Claudine Gay. What you don't realize, and I've said this in the last couple podcasts, but I'll say it again. Claudine Gay was caught plagiarizing her doctorate dissertation. All right? Plagiarizing. That's not racism to call someone on their plagiarism. That's not racism to remove someone from a high office that they cheated to get. And now, just to let you know, it's 50 different quotes in her senior dissertation, or not senior, in her doctorate dissertation that she did not give proper, proper citation to and credit for. She just quoted them directly and did not give any reference to where that quote came from making it look as if it was her words. So we have all these people that are protesting against Claudine Gay being fired, or not really being fired, but resigning, being asked to resign by the board of directors of Harvard. Do you know why the board of directors put so much pressure on Harvard to um, get Claudine Gay to uh, resign? Harvard lost over a billion dollars in donations. It's funny how money talks, huh? So no, Claudine Gay was not asked to resign because she's a black woman. She was defended for a very long time because she was a black woman. When it was discovered that she plagiarized her doctorate dissertation, then they could no longer defend her. It had nothing to do with racism. But we have so many people screaming at the top of their lungs from, the, from their rooftops saying, this is the white man trying to remove black people or people of color from leadership positions with no other reason but because they're black. That is causing division in our country. And let me tell you right now, this is on purpose. They want us divided. 
Number eight in Saul Alinsky's plan was class warfare. Divide the people into the wealthy and the poor. This will cause more discontent, and it will be easier to take or tax the wealthy with support of the poor. This is the kind of division, class warfare, whether it's rich or poor, whether it's black or white, whether it's male or female. They want you to only look at yourself and others with your surface IDs, your identity. That's all they want people judged by is their identity, not their qualifications, not their accomplishments. No, not their character. No, whatever. We want everyone in society judged or put into groups according to their skin color, their sexuality, their gender, their nationality. That's what they want. Because divided, we will fall. That's exactly what Abraham Lincoln said. That's what they want. Divided, we will fall. All right, enough seriousness for right now. I want to leave you with a very positive message, especially at the very end of this podcast and the beginning of a new year. Everyone needs to write down goals, and it's important for you to write down goals that are attainable, with, that are very specific, and then you need to visualize yourself as if those goals have already happened, the feelings that you would feel. As everybody knows, I'm a huge proponent of The Secret. And if you haven't watched the movie The Secret, watch it. If you haven't bought the books or the audiobooks or whatever, just listen to it because it's very real. It's the universal law of attraction. What you put out comes back to you in kind. Now, this is Bob Proctor when he was very young talking about how important it is to visualize what you really want in life. Listen to this. If a person would sit down and let their body relax, totally relax, and then start to visualize in their mind, see themselves the way they want to see themselves, how you'd like to live your life, see yourself living it that way. Now, understand that that's a picture in your mind. Take that picture and describe it, write it out in the present tense. I am so happy now that I see myself and write it out. Start to read it and read it and read it and read it every day carry it around and keep reading it the one point that all the great teachers all down through history have all agreed on they've been in complete unanimous agreement on it we become what we think about now it may be fantasy at first it might even appear to us as being a lie but if you read it often enough you'll start to believe it i miss bob proctor he was one of my favorite teachers in the secret uh, there's a bunch of them that uh, give different philosophies and, and teach you different principles. And he was one of my favorite. He passed away, I think, in 2022, just a couple of years ago. But that's very powerful. You have to think about what you want as if you already have it. That's the most important thing. And what you think about and dream about, you become. So what you're spending most of your time doing and thinking about and working on is what you're going to become. So what are you spending most of your time? Remember in, I think, my second podcast or third podcast, I said, what you focus on expands. It's the same thing with your dreams and goals. 
If you focus on them enough and read them over and over and over enough, you will eventually believe that you will attain, obtain them without question. There won't be any doubt in your mind. And that is when you will accomplish your goals. All right. Thank you again for listening. This brings us to the end of another podcast. If you have any comments on this podcast, if you agree or disagree, don't hesitate to write Drew at thewatchdogsbark.com. And until next time, create an amazing day and help me relay the bark. <laughs>